Coding and documentation for evaluation and management codes, or ENM codes, have had a drastic change going into effect this new year. On this episode, we'll examine the latest in these ENM code changes as we begin part one of a two-part series. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Principal for Operations and Quality of Vision and Practicing Internist. Returning to the podcast is Sheila Bowles. Sheila, welcome back to Modern Practice. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Vizient. I am Sheila Wolds. I'm a senior consulting director here at Vizient, working on the clinical documentation improvement team. And my background is in the more in the coding side of things. I was a director of HIM and coding and CDI for many, many years, and also in the professional fee and facility side. That's fantastic. So before we go into changes involving E&M codes, explain what the codes are and what documentation components are noted on them. So for the professional fee E&M codes, they are utilized for kind of that cognitive effort of the providers when they're seeing a patient. There's different levels for the different types of codes. You can have levels for the inpatient codes. You have levels for those outpatient clinic type visits as well. And it's all really focused around the documentation that the provider, again, focused on his cognitive effort and the treatment and assessment of the patient. So Sheila, I'll be honest with you. I was taken by surprise that there was a huge change that occurred this year. Can you tell us what they were specifically in? Sure thing. So first, there's big changes in the inpatient observation and emergency department codes from the AMA. Hmm. And the Medicare has said that they are going to accept the majority of those changes. So there's a little grain of salt in there. Hmm. Some other changes are with the consultation codes, the nursing facility services, home or resident services, as well as the prolonged services codes have changed just a bit. Yeah, I'd like to go into specifically with the observation codes first because completely took me by surprise. Can you tell us exactly what happened there? Sure thing. So on the observation codes, they've been deleted. They no longer exist. So it was very confusing to physicians Mm -hmm. to have these separate observation codes. I hear you giggling because it was. Right. A physician would see a patient in an inpatient bed. Right. Sometimes the status of that patient might be observation. Sometimes the status of that patient was inpatient. But two separate coding types for those two, for that same patient, basically. But you could use the inpatient codes, but if it's an observation patient, it's going to come back and be denied because it was not an observation patient or an inpatient patient. So they have changed it now so that the inpatient codes will be utilized for both observation and inpatient codes. And so you will use those inpatient codes. If that patient is an observation patient, the place of service still needs to be noted as outpatient. However, that outpatient piece to that that's something the billing department can take care of. So if that patient truly is an observation in an inpatient bed, that physician can go ahead and use those inpatient codes, let the billing department determine that place of service. If the status is changed post-discharge, which that happens a lot too, again, it's going to be that billing department can fix that place of service. And the physician, again, is just going to use that one set of codes. Okay, so I can see where maybe for perhaps as myself, as the clinician, they're trying to make it easier, but at the same time, I still need to put the patient in an observation status versus inpatient or admitted to inpatient. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. But sometimes that does get changed. And now the inpatient codes have also changed how they're being calculated. So we'll probably want to go into that a little bit as well. Okay. So what's the rationale behind this? 
A lot of it really is to make it simpler. So as I was alluding to a moment ago on those inpatient codes, it's kind of moving more towards what happened with the outpatient clinic codes a couple of years ago. Hmm. So that it's going to be determined by either medical decision-making or time. That history and physical component that was determined part of it before, that is now just a clinically relative history and physical needs to be performed. It is not considered in the determination of that E&M level itself. Again, that's going to be medical decision-making or time. And there are a few little changes to the time as well. So if you are utilizing time, that needs to be taken into consideration to learn those new timeframes. So Sheila, what do you think is going to be the results of this? So I think some of this will be decrease that note bloat. Hmm. So it's simpler for physicians to select the services and it's going to be along with education because they're not going to be worried about how many items did I put into my history? How many items did I put into my physical? It is that medically relevant physical history and physical now. Whereas just need to learn what that medical decision-making is. And the biggest focus now is on that cognitive effort of the provider. What was the medical management of the patient versus checking the boxes on the history and physical? And these changes also can kind of impact that facility DRG. And then also showing how sick your patient is for a lot of those risk models, those national scorecards. So if you're really focusing on documenting what did you treat? Was it acute or chronic? What was the data that you reviewed for that patient? And what did you do for that patient? Those are really the things you need to focus on. And then that is going to get you to that appropriate level for your E&M code. So that also brings up a very good point in the sense that not that people were playing the game, but if you wanted to avoid a readmission, you can actually place the patient in observation. And maybe even for mortality purposes, that may be an opportunity. Has this been washed now by actually these codes or is it still not the case because you're still putting them in observation status? You're still putting them in observation status. Yes. So that does not change. It's just the code itself. You're not going back and forth from two different types of codes and have to change that. Okay. So let's review the codes for consultation. So consultation codes, again, a little bit of a green assault with these. Mm-hmm. There were some changes to the consultation codes, the guidelines. Now the transfer of care codes, also those were eliminated for 2023 as those were kind of confusing codes. And then the lowest level of consultation codes, those were eliminated. And again, these are going to go with that same kind of model as an inpatient that we just talked about and the observation along with those outpatient clinic codes as where the medical decision making or time is going to be the determined factor. Now, the little grain of salt here is that Medicare still is not going to recognize those codes, the consultation codes. So you're still going to use whatever type of E&M code it is for that patient, but don't put in those AMA CPT codes because Medicare is not going to recognize them or anyone who follows Medicare guidelines. So you're going to do the same old, same old and apply the new type of logic, but for those payers that focus on the Medicare. So again, I have to preface, why? (laughs) The AMA is really said over and over, it's to simplify things. It really is to simplify things. You're using one table now for that medical decision-making for everything. And like you said, there was a game. It was a game of how many things can you check off on that history and physical. And in some instances, you really didn't have to put a lot of cognitive effort into reflecting that documentation. So now showing that medical decision-making and that cognitive effort really, I think, pulls everything together for both that physician E&M code, your risk modeling scores, and then also your hospital payment. So everyone's going to benefit from it. 
That's it for this episode, Sheila, and we'll continue our discussion in the next. And to our listeners, you can contact Sheila at our email address listed on the research section of the podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast at visioninc.com. We posted the link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.